The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. Click. And we're live. Hello, everyone. Today is Tuesday, October 26, 2021. It is 5 o'clock p.m. on the dot. So far, tech glitches have been at a minimum for my first day driving. But don't worry, there's time after, enough yet for me to wait, crash. It's not, your first, it's not your first time driving. It's like it's after a long break. Yes. It's like, it, it does feel yeah. like the first time, though. I was trying to set it up, and it was – I'm like, wait, oh, what yeah. is this? And yeah. I had a lot of that. So – Hey everybody, today is a bit of a weird news day and also it is a very heavy autumnal themed discussion for Just Us okay. Night. So I feel like this is the monologue. So mm -hmm. GDF, like what, why, why is it Just Us and Apples Oh, um, and not cheese? Oh. Although like, yeah. Well, I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know if I could have storage for that much cheese. Fortunately, the apples are pretty okay for right now on the counter. But They're like, what happened? But like, you ordered well, like four bags of apples and you thought you were ordering one apple each? It is very important to read the fine print. And I mean, I do, I do do that for school. And so I read all the footnotes. But apparently on my Instacart order, I thought I was ordering four apples. Partially. Where do you order on Instacart? I change it every time because or, I, it depends on what I'm ordering because I'm going fair. for lowest price. So like I will fill out a cart. This is like in, like my insanity in window shopping for groceries in New York City because it's quite a bit to go out these days for me, like just logistically and then carrying things. Um, and even before that, I was pretty lazy and would uh, order in quite often. But I would price check things to try and not spend a billion dollars on just – apples and so part of the thing was the apple bags were priced so low I thought that they were actually just pricing the apples per pound and no I have four very large bags of apples so any and all recipes Greek chorus would be greatly appreciated and Kate if you have any apple recipes well I it occurs to me that I have many apple recipes but they all are like lots of labor like okay. lots and lots so like you have to peel all the apples and core them and like it occurs to me that the best way to do this is actually one of those like old-fashioned quarters like have you ever seen them that hook on the edge of like a counter my mom has one they're fantastic yeah they're like amazing and I mean like you use them literally like for things like this so I think that like that'll be my baby gift to you because I'm just going to get you that and then I'm going to get you one of those things that you place over the apple and it cores it automatically and puts it in the slices. slices. The perfect snack. So like the peanut butter so, and like, apples. But also like that is like you could do both of those things really quickly and like and then all of a sudden you could just have apple crisp. Ooh, that sounds right? delicious. What or... One of the yeah. things that I was very intrigued by was some, uh, I was reading, I forget what kind of recipe it was, because, you know, what do you do when you're 
overwhelmed with produce, you start looking on different food blogs. And there were a couple of savory recipes that I thought were really intriguing. Yeah. Um, and I've never done that. I've always just kind of cooked them as desserts. Like I, the only recipe that I really am confident in with my appleness is a German apple cake recipe, which is pretty good. So I will share that if anyone is interested at some point. Uh. <laughs> I feel like when Ben's away and Ben and Scott is away, this show when Scott is here, it like turns into like like writing process philosopher hour. When it's just us, it's like recipe sharing and like like grocery shop grocery like I don't know yeah. like some type of like Pinterest like version of like in lieu of fun and then yeah and like Scott's here <laughs> is just like full on Twitter shit posting version of yes. in lieu of fun and then when Ben's here it's like Dog okay we, yeah it's, well I was gonna say it's like we actually have to pretend like we do a show um every single day um but <laughs> We're not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are allowed to have infinite apple recipes. And uh, what kind of apples are they, by the way? So I thought I ordered, well, no, I know for a fact I ordered Honeycrisp, but they got me these pink ladies, which are very similar in look and taste. So I don't know the difference. Like, it, right, are there like apple connoisseurs who they're like? Very, like, they're fine. I mean, they're really like, I think that they're good. I love Macaons, which have like, are really only available in like the fall and they're very they're like a little smaller right yeah they turn really quickly and get mealy but yeah. when they're like really good they're like really really good um the uh okay so we have agenda items one is the weird news day oh, yeah. today yeah in which we literally were like i was like kind of like looking for guests for us today and i was like this is such a strange cycle of like kind of nothing and a lot going on at the same time but none of it feels like super breakouty in terms of news it's like one of the first slow-ish news days i feel like we've had in a long time um at least the morning started out that way definitely because when i was looking i just i i was like oh okay and then as the day progressed i just got pop up on pop up on pop up on my phone um particularly well, about the pfizer know. thing yeah so let's talk about that. So like Pfizer said, what was it specifically? It was that they are approving it, but it's like conditional or it's not fully it, approved. It was just the advisory. It's just the advisory panel. And so they voted 17 to zero because they had one abstention in favor of allowing the Pfizer vaccine to be administered to children from the age of five to 11. And it was essentially just saying that the risks of not doing it are outweigh the risks of doing it. And so the emergency use authorization hasn't been granted yet, as far as I understand. So they can't do it yet, but it's all like signals ahead, like gear up your logistics, everybody. You're going to need more doses. But like, have you been following? So we've talked about this before, and I've mentioned this, like I follow ever since they created it, the New York Times, like maps of hot yes. spots and vaccinations and like their two week their 14 day change thing and like okay so like i know that you know i don't know that just kind of was like i started with that and so that became my like barometer mm -hmm. and i'm kind of getting to this point where i'm kind of seeing like listen we have like a pretty high vaccination tell me if you think this is crazy we have like pretty high vaccination rate in the u.s we have 
like I'm seeing some outbreaks elsewhere in the world. Most of the global hotspots seem to have gone away and like everything seems to be, have been declining for quite a while. And I'm kind of like, was looking at the long-term numbers and they're kind of where they were when we had the dip before we had Delta and like we had the spike, but like we're in a different position than we were with kind of Delta and everything else. And so I'm kind of like wondering well, maybe there will be a spike again in the fall, but like maybe this is like, someone said this to me the other day, it moves from pandemic to like endemic. Yeah. Like it moves from being like, kind of like the common cold and manageable, like sure people are not the cold, but like the like the flu. Yeah. Um, now it actually maybe is the flu, like in terms of like how much to kind of like, if you're vaccinated and you don't get, tre- you know, if you're vaccinated and you still get it and everything else. Um, I, yeah. I, I mean, I would be so hopeful that that was the case. I I get very alarmed um, the the variants of interest or whatever the CDC has labeled the sub variants as because every time I feel like we start to let our breath out, something new happens, and it's always an odd tension in how much um, how, how much we should really fear whatever's out there versus how much we have to persevere in our own lives. And so, I mean, one of the things that also has been freaking me out is, so the little guy, (laughs) he got his first cold uh, to like this week, or at least I Hmm. think it's a cold. And so your first thought when you see that is, oh God, is this just a cold? And so then you start to have like a little bit of the fear part and you kind of have to check yourself and be like, okay, let's just go through like what the symptoms are. How do you balance like your rational response versus just panic? And I mean, I, I feel like that's also something that we have to do for ourselves. And I think for the majority of population who is vaccinated, I agree with you that it will just become like, okay, we have to just deal with this. I mean, if the vaccinations do what they have proven to do and everyone has less severe cases then we'll be fine and it's just an unfortunate thing that so many people have still resisted it um and that scares me more like because just the cost of the cost of a politicized health issue is not just borne by those who it'll ultimately infect and possibly kill it's also just by us as a society and that's that's also really scary. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's, yeah. I mean, I, I'm so ready to have a, like a normal life and see people and not worry. Like I would love that. <laughs> do you, what do you think is what's holding you back right now? Like, so honestly, it's all the right. stuff that, that's not COVID. So we're just kind of waiting for um, the next doctor's appointment. Cause then that's when apparently little people, little uh, babies get their like most of their shots and so once those are done I think we're going to be a lot more relaxed and it's just kind of building him a tiny little immunity yeah of course yeah, yeah. I think that that makes perfect sense and like so you're in like a kind of a unique position but like I don't carry even a mask with me I know I mean I like have forgotten it a lot like let's no, put yeah. it that way like I have so many in the bottoms of bags like I kind of do but like I don't even think about it and like um, I know that's going to stress some people out, but like, there just isn't any outbreak in like where I am and I'm not going inside places still. Like yeah. I'm still not kind of like, there's just, the weather has been so amazing for, wait, wait, why is like John freaking out like Jesus Kate in the chat? Like I didn't like, I'm not like, I'm triple vaccinated at this point and have like 
have uh, and uh, just don't eat indoors. Like, and yeah. so like, I just don't bring a mask anywhere and I do all of my shopping with Instacart. So like, I just don't, um, I just don't even have like a, I don't know, there's no need for me to, like, I'm certainly not gonna, I don't wear a mask outside. We've all been on that page for a while, right? Like there's, I mean, the thing is, we have to follow the science and whatever the science says, and the science says that it's fine to not wear a mask outside and it doesn't really protect, give the protection that we thought it did at one point. So, but like, this is kind of like the Emily Oster point that we had the yeah. other day, which is just like, some people think that this is like this, like crazy, um, like kind of like this absolute like steel guard that protects you in some way. And some people think that like, it doesn't do that much. And like, I, like I wear them, I don't even take the subway or I'm not even going well, anywhere still. No, that's what that's I was going to say. That's the other thing is like, I'm still just not going anywhere. Like yeah. things haven't woken up to that extent. Like no one's asking me to travel places really. No, or no. yeah. No. And like, I mean, the subway is a different animal altogether and it always has been. And I, I feel like even when things are back to normal, I'll probably bring a mask on the subway just because it smells like pee. <laughs> like, I mean, like, that's actually the thing is like, it's always been, like, a, I mean, like, oh my God, you remember, I mean, it would just be so like, I just think of some of the, like the subway rides I've taken where you're just like packed in like sardines and everyone's coughing and like, ugh. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously I think that there's like, I know that's actually kind of the thing that I wonder, like, are we ever going to go back to a place where we kind of have gotten so aware of the, the grotiness of like human existence and like, and how, how much we share these germs, uh, that I think it's hard to kind of walk it back, but like. Yeah, I used to have a coworker who was a close talker and she'd come to work when she was like really sick and she would get in your face and like you'd take steps back and you'd try not to, and without fail, whenever she got ill, the entire office would be ill. And that's also like a hopefully a norm that sticks that we're now more aware that like, I'm sick. I'm, I don't want to get everybody else sick. I mean, that used to be kind of like a, an excuse. I mean, that's, to a certain extent, like as a professor, like I've seen this, like there were so many excuses and like, I was just fine with all of them for last semester teaching in person. But I really do think it's going to be really hard. People, like a lot of people would rather be at home and do in home, not just learning, like would rather work from home. And they've talked about this, obviously, like how they're going to get people back in the offices. Like I like, I don't know. Like, I just think that it's like actually quite, um, quite difficult, but I don't know. I agree with that. And I think that you'll like thinking of it through like a property lens, like you have so much available retail space at this point, particularly in our area, that's just, it's commercial real estate. It's open. It's not being used. Like, and how, what's going to happen with that? (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Um, John, 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 <laughs> hello, John. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> like alarm is going off for some reason. I'm like trying to like make him uh, see it. Um, no, but had- the, um, uh, yeah, I know. Sorry. You're talking to Andrew. I'm talking to John. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is, um, I don't know. So like, okay. So. That'll be, I think, a breath of relief for a lot of people when they have their, um, 
and when like when all of this stuff finally goes through but like what is the um what is the like what is the rest of the weird news day for you like oh, what the, felt the, weird the kyle rittenhouse um articles so and i know paula had been talking about this a little bit on twitter and so um apparently during the trial the judge said that you couldn't refer to the people that he killed as victims because and there's a very legal reason for that which mike chase was kind enough to explain on twitter and that's the only reason why i know this uh, <laughs> but um, it, it's led to a lot of news, line, news headlines that are quite inflammatory, and particularly on the internet, and Twitter is bursting with rage. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, t- tell me more. Oh. Like, what is, like, so hold on. You give us more of an explanation. Like, what specifically okay. did Mike, I'm going to, like, look up the thing, that's, but I didn't read this. No, I'm going to look it up right now because I don't want to misquote what he said. So essentially, the judge said that um, they can't call the two people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed victims. Um, And so the reason for that was that in order, like prior to calling them victims, um, the they would have to prove the elements of his crime and to call them victims somewhat establishes the elements of the offense that he's being accused of. And so there's also some other element that I did not completely understand with the judge's um, ruling. And I haven't taken, like, I've been a little scatterbrained today. Um, so Okay. So, no. So it says, like, I just looked it up. So I'm going to yeah. link to the exchange Please. here, um, which is super useful. Um, but basically... Uh, uh, the judge in Kyle Rittenhouse's trial said that they um, can't call the two people that he killed victims. And I would imagine that um, it is because victim is an emotionally laden, laden word. And so um, frequently like judges will kind of draw lines on to like how you refer to people who have been killed. Um, and I mean, this is a pretty standard point. I mean, I think that there's the actual headline that Paula links to. It says that like, judge says victim is too loaded, but we'll let others call them rioters, looters, or arsonists. The problem being is that like, like both- Those are loaded. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That the term, like the the term victim and the term looters, rioters, arsonists, this is kind of like a, are they looters or are they protesters type of thing? Like are like, are they protesting or are they like, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, are they criminals? Um, and so Mike's response is just that like, like using the word victim establishes that you've like done some type of like analysis that like, that like, like basically to get to the word victim, you would have done some type of finding of fact to see them as such. And that hadn't happened. Um, and he says that that's pretty typical. If you haven't, ha- if you've skipped that part of the trial and haven't done that, like, or the, that part of anything, you haven't done that. Um, and so. Uh, and yeah. like the, the judge, once those things have been deemed established, like regarding that certain point can then allow the defense to uh, uh, the can allow them to be called victims at a certain point in the trial, right? Like once that's been established or am I I misunderstanding? Okay. So like basically like some of like, there are some specificities and not actually even sure 
um, what state, what stage we're at here. So like, hold on, like, let me just kind of look really mm -hmm. quickly, but like, it's like, um, uh, basically depending on his plea agreement that there just might not have been things that got fleshed out in the course of like a fact finding trial. And mm -hmm. so like, um, it says he's going on trial. Okay, sorry. This mm -hmm. is like, I like, literally like haven't even like looked at this, but that he's going on trial um, and he's laying out. So, so this is actually, I want to make this point. This is super important. So like for those of you who watch Law and Order or like any type of thing in, um, in, uh, in any type of film or TV or theater depiction of how a trial works, there is almost no evidence that ever comes out in the course of the actual testimony and trial that people are not there. I mean, there shouldn't be actually, if you've done like all of your work, yeah. there's no surprises. And more than that, the judge lays out rules during depositions and be and during the declaring all of your kind of like all of the evidence that you're going to be using because you have to like have it available to the to to both sides that basically like that you're not going to so like they like lay out rules of evidence and how they're going to rule on certain types of things in advance so there's almost never unless things go off script in some way or the witness goes off script which also rarely happens in the dramatic fashion that that happens on tv because they're easily perjurable by their prior sworn statements that they did under like completely benign conditions in like a hotel room somewhere with like 10 people recording them. Um, that basically there's no way that this type of stuff like kind of like happens. Basically what they said is like, he's the judge is like laying out rules for how they're going to like um, refer to before the points of the offense have been, the, the, the points of the offense have been chosen. Like basically victim is a legal conclusion and they're going to let that like lay and I will say that like, maybe there is a chance that like the other words that they can use are similarly problematic, but also not problematic for what it was the Rittenhouse or like Rittenhouse did like, right. So like mm -hmm. the fact that they were looting doesn't make it any better that he like shot them or like, right. you know, like that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't really matter. Whereas like the fact that you consider them victims is a legal conclusion that could like very much change like whether or not he gets a fair trial and so i think mike's point is basically at the end of the day the judge siding with rittenhouse in this will mean that the trial goes more expeditiously um and that this is not a point that he can raise on appeal because this man is probably going to be convicted <laughs> and so like uh and he will have like one this is like I think Mike's point is like, this is one less point to raise on appeal is basically the idea that like, like, well, they decided this particular evidentiary issue in a way most favorable to the defendant. And so there's no way that he can come back if they still decide against his favor and like raise this as an issue. Does that make sense now? Totally. Um, does Paula still have questions? I don't know if you want to rapture Paula in, I'm happy to like ask yeah. them. I'm going to bring um, Paula in because she does have a question, but it's about procrastinating, which I also love. Oh, my God. You guys are ridiculous. I, your question, I answer the poll, savory all day, savory all day, all the time. Me too. Um, Me too. But um, 
what did Jacobs's prosecution can file a motion limiting? Limiting what? I don't know what. Uh, limiting the probably the. Uh, I was not expecting my my Twitter post to make it. To I listen. It's a slow news day, Paula. We do what we can over here at In Lieu of Fun <laughs> to make some fun in the In Lieu of News. So, um, but your does hair that does look question fabulous. About it does. And I just, um, my like broader point, which I like, I think this is what makes someone like Mike a great um, attorney and you guys like this show really great is because I've seen so many like blue checkmark people who are extremely liberal, like just quote tweet it and say, this is disgusting and this is why it's going to be appealed. And it's like, I know you want this person to be convicted, but saying that is like actually going to make the case go the opposite way. And I think it's important for us to like be able to be nuanced and like not think that just because someone has done something wrong, they don't deserve due process. And I really, I mean, like, it's like be putting expectations on Twitter, which is I was just going to say, I feel like this is just as much you discovering the law as it is like you discovering how stupid the rest of the world actually is. <laughs> and that like blue check marks are not like a legal, do not equate to a legal. And even when they no. do equate to a legal degree, people have bad legal takes all the time. Um, I will say mm -hmm. this, like. But it does take like some amount of courage for someone like Mike to have answered and Jacob to have answered my question, because like someone could just come out there on bad faith and say, well, you clearly don't want him to be convicted then. Yes, but because like, that's like, what people on Twitter Paula, do. This is what we call not the law, but politics and yes. like just bull like yeah. and just people like people sit like. I don't like that virtue signaling got taken over by like the, like, because I feel like everyone on both sides does it. So it's like, but it's just performative. Like all of it is performative. Yes. And it's about like, but it is about trying to signal something to your core group that like you're thinking about this in a certain way. And like, I think that it's just as exhausting to constantly be having, feeling like obligated to have takes on things that are outrageous and happening in the world so that like people around you know that you that know that you saw them and you had to have seen them like know that you saw them and that you care about them and that you're like showing them by retweeting or donating money or doing whatever that you like that you saw i don't know so like yeah i would say as a general rule people have a lot of bad takes on everything mm. and like, mm -hmm. yeah, sorry, Paula, but you asked the right person. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked Mike Chase. I, I figured because I know he's a criminal defense lawyer that that would be the person I should tag. Um, so my actual question is, is like pre-pandemic, my favorite thing to do is like bake large quantities of like baked goods and then give them to people because like first. But now they're full so of much. disease. Sorry. I, I don't know. It's just been like weird. It's like been weird to like take something to someone and it's like, here, take all this food. But like, I know we're not having parties or we can't like sit down and like share it. And it's like very weird to just sit in your home and bake all this stuff and then give it away or leave no, it no, on the front you're porches. Not gonna, you're going to do, 
Okay, I have a I have a proposal, but first I feel like Genevieve is going to say something. What no, is Genevieve? I, I, say? I, w- I was just going to say that goes to Kate's earlier point about moving on with life and like t- taking uh, steps to be like that are rational. So I think sharing food that you know that you have been vaccinated and you are not diseased and those well, people I'm not are, like <laughs> no, no, but you know what I'm saying. Like, like people don't bring things and just yeah. leave them in like a room anymore. Yeah, like, no. that used to be a thing. <laughs> and, sadly, I'm very sad that that's not the I case. Like, <laughs> there is um, there I think, is like people still. Go ahead, Paula. Sorry. Oh, I thought you were saying go ahead to the baby. <laughs> oh, I think like people are still not totally doing like fully like full-blown like parties and stuff and so like I can only like I can't take like like one year I made like five pumpkin cheesecakes like I can't take five pumpkin cheesecakes to someone's house if they're not having I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna lie to you that's like excessive anyway but that's okay I mean like was it a like what was it like was it like a like a homeless shelter party like I don't understand how you would end up eating that many cheesecakes (laughs) like (laughs) I I pumpkin puree myself so I bought a pumpkin and cut it open and roasted it and like, or baked it so that I could make like the pumpkin puree. And then I realized that's a lot of pumpkin. And so I had like five pumpkin pie cheesecakes at my house. And I also like found a recipe for a homemade whipped cream and made enough whipped cream for like 50 people. Sounds delicious. I just just have this, right? I do Um, wanna say that like, to your point though, I think you should pick up like needlepoint or like something like, Something like, like just, I want to get from Paul, like a tiny little like needle point of like an emoji. And I just like want you to like, or or, like something, I just like, maybe you can make it an emote and needle point it or like just a swear word. And I can just like stick it right here next time I'm on cable news. yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of, but I'm, I'm actually kind of partly serious. Like there was a phase in my life, I think in the earth, like my mid, like about 15 years ago that like, I just started like doing crochet and knitting instead of, cause I just like, I didn't have an office to go into anymore and I couldn't like push baked goods on other people. And <laughs> so I just transitioned is what I'm trying to say. So it's maybe it's just take it as a sign of transit. It's a growth period. Um, I was going to say, so someone did try to teach me how to crochet, and what happened was, is I really couldn't figure it out, so I just kept going in a straight line, and I basically got, like, a 100-foot rope. Yeah, but if you're ever on, like, a desert island, think how useful that will be if you have thread and need a crochet crochet chain. And you can make... You can make a crochet hook very easily from like bamboo or like yeah. a reed. Like that's or something like that could shark work. tooth. Yeah. Yes. So like yes. let's the bamboo trees in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm not saying <laughs> if you say imagine someday that you're trapped in an island with some FedEx packages and there's some string but no crochet hook and now you'll just know. And so I- I had like a weird fever dream one time that I was stuck on a desert island, but I was still getting Amazon deliveries. And why does that feel like that would still happen? Like I'd get my prime deliveries, but I would no one would be able to get me off the island. 
I I mean, I would have believed that until the pandemic when I actually stopped getting my prime deliveries for like a very long time. Ooh. Was it anyone else like at the beginning of the pandemic for maybe like maybe like one day? I don't think it lasted longer than one day when you thought like, am I going to like be able to get like stuff? Like, how does a pandemic work? Like, because the only thing that was going through your mind was like yeah. zombie movies. Yeah. And like. I think like we kept seeing those articles about like how there was never going to be like poultry or like beef on like the shelves again. And like just nev- none of it really came to fruition. And you were like, I'm not built for like having to fight for food. Like that's just not going to happen. Like I'm, I'm I, I, I mean, I do think that there is like, I think that that was everyone though. But that was not yeah. just, yeah, that was everyone everywhere. No one knew what was happening. I so. will say I will say one final point. There is actually a huge problem now in England with their pork industry because of the shutdowns and now they have all these pigs that have to be like emergency slaughtered and they can't really use it and now they're importing meat from Europe, which is interesting. Um, but Paula, thank you very much. We appreciate you coming on and I'm going to thank rapture you. you back to the chorus. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, oh, Reverend Dr. Hillary Livingston asked if I have seen arm knitting and I have seen arm knitting. It's just like, so there's a few things about arm knitting, which is like this crazy, you basically take, um, what is it called? It's like the, it's like Jeff. just, the, but no, it's like the very, thick like kind of like unspun wool that's just like like literally they like carded wool no that's not it carded but it's like in a it's in a it's in a very thick like every piece is like a long kind of and you can like use your hands as knitting needles to make this big kind of bouncy kind of crazy looking like like clouds yeah but like the the they do look like clouds they're gorgeous but one the wool is super expensive and two it like kills really badly and kind of looks like shitty after like a like a short period of time unless you take really 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 good care of it and don't really touch it so have you, that was have, my have you done that because I, yeah. I, I mean i would never i can't keep anything wool in pristine condition ever no it's difficult it all kind of gets like that roving okay. thank you rose like kill like rose that is the that is the term i was going to use the other piece of news besides pandemic and kyle rittenhouse is like all of the stuff with facebook which i just i don't know i know i do this for a living but is everyone else kind of like perplexed at both how it's in the news every day and they're not quite sure what the story is yes and I was actually just going to say that there's just, it's an overload. There's a different facet every single day and they're somewhat tangentially related, but it's all yeah. like trying to still diagnose the central issue. And how can everyone not know what the issue is? Well, Which, no, cause this yeah. is super fascinating. So here is something that I think is kind of really crazy about this is that like, so normally how this type of stuff happens and how it did happen initially was that like the Wall Street Journal had all of these documents and they had Francis Haugen. Like that was it. That is like a traditional type of leak model in which you have some type of scoop or some type of thing and you're reporting it out. And like, I mean, it's just kind of the same type of model that they have a deep throat and like the in Watergate and everything else. Um, but like, if you had, like, imagine like Watergate was like all of a sudden Mark felt decided that he was going to go. And like, he was like, ah, he'd given like the first, he'd given like most of the story and the head start, like Woodward and Bernstein. But now he was going to like, basically give all of everything that he had shared with them and all of the background to 16, 17 news consortium agencies that are normally in competition with each other. 
and just like give them all of the exact same information that he had given like Washington Post and then be like, okay, now you, like, what are your versions of these stories? And so this is a super interesting kind of thing because you don't actually know, like, you're not competing just for information. You're competing for takes on the information. And that is like really weird because actually, as it turns out, that is actually how most of this goes. Like, it's not just competing on takes, but like, you don't realize how much information gets filtered into a take when you're reading the story. And so one of the things that I've been actively wondering as all this stuff happens and people like read this stuff is like whether or not the Wall Street Journal is going to like get called out for like potentially in some way or another, like overselling, like how they kind of packaged the material. I was like, and I, I don't think that's gonna necessarily happen, but like, I was like, it occurred to me that could be something that happens and like, you have people staring at the same documents and one see one group at CNN sees one headline out of it and another person sees no headline out of it. Hmm. And so like, what do people take away from that? It makes this really confusing news ecosystem in which kind of it eliminates the gatekeeper effect, but I can't tell whether it's good or bad. I'd like love to know your thoughts. I think it's very physically representative of the actual Facebook issue. I mean, yeah, it's it's a mirror into the Facebook ecosystem, but it's happening on a large scale with different media outlets, which I think is really funny because you have competition and it's still not solving your problem because it's still the content that people are choosing to consume. Completely. And like, and there's like, there's been a number of stories that will go unnamed, but I have like clicked on the headline and been like, huh, I didn't see that when I read through the documents. And then they pull up what the document said. And I'm like, I still don't see that with what you're citing to in these documents. And you're the only one saying it like this. Um, and so it's very much kind of like, for me, I kind of actually oddly think that it is taken, I think it was like, egalitarian and kind of fair and i actually think it exposed to a certain extent the media more than probably like the whistleblower intended it to like i think they probably were like well why i'll just give this to everyone fairly but like i think that it it makes it makes some of the inner workings and the inconsistencies of media like really laid bare here i think i don't know maybe that's just me no, but. I'm. I mean, I I agree with that. I also, it's such a. There's no. So I'm. I apologize for how I'm going to phrase this, but it's annoying to me because it's a very serious issue. It's um, a substantive subject matter in and of itself, but it gets reduced down to, and so I always describe when I read things as like, I'll read something that's a little bit more substantive. And then I take a break and read something that I called like Twinkie literature. Like it's not necessarily good for me, but I enjoy it. And it's like the news stories have become like Twinkie news stories where it's just clickbait. And that's the word I was trying to get to originally. It feels like real news, it becomes clickbaity. And I I don't know how you get out of that because it, you're still competing for eyes. You're competing for ads. You're competing for just the number of bodies you can get to look at your site. And it's the motivation yeah. is concerning. So I think that like that's kind of 
part, like, as you said, it's a meta story on Facebook. This is kind of one of the things that I've been trying to say for a while, which is that this idea of like surveillance capitalism has never happened at the scale and like be able to use targeted ads in quite this way. But we've like used, we've like sold things by sensationalism and outrage to for ad markets mm-hmm. and advertising before. Like that is in fact the entire model for for journalism um, in like kind of the 20th century. And more than that, like that made for a more egalitarian consumption of news because if you were a boot black or you were a banker, it cost 50 cents to buy it like the New York Times. And so like, and the reason was because it was like everyone's, you know, they distributed the cost across eyeballs instead of like subscription fees. Like this is like one of the reasons that people have issues with subscription fees. It's not because of people like, you or me, we can pay like $5 a month in New York Times. It's like people that like didn't used to have kind of easy access to news generally. Um, they still kind of have that issue though, because like- No, of course they do. You see the- um, There's uh, like, this is like the idea of news deserts. This is yeah. the idea of people like kind of, you know, it's absolutely true and it's, af- it's absolutely the idea around local journalism dying. That doesn't resolve any of those types of things. Um, but my point is, is just that like, the thing that seems crazy to me, is um is kind of the idea that the media is not the only like that there's also like that that people keep having like oh the problem is targeted advertising or the problem is that we're have this good that is made contingent upon an advertising monetization Mm -hmm. but like this that is actually not new or like interesting except at scale so like that's kind of and with and with how much information they're then collecting on you with your other interests that like that i think is the distinguishing issue because when they the the more traditional news outlets would have those media issue uh the, the advertising um platforms in and of themselves that was something that seemed to be like a one-way deal and now it's a, a mutual um sharing of information and yeah. maybe, maybe i'm overthinking that a little bit no but no I, and I, it, yeah no, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. A concerned Hi, citizen. citizen. Hi, how's it going? Floor is yeah. yours. I was wondering what your thoughts were about breaking up Facebook. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts about fa- breaking up Facebook? Do you have any? Uh, I'd be okay with it. Um, people whose opinion I respect think it's a good idea and it makes sense. And there seems to be a function served through these antitrust actions. Um, for example, I think Senator Warren said that, um, Teddy Roosevelt broke up trusts because they were consolidating political power. Um, so I think maybe that, understanding applies to the modern situation with some of these big tech companies. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think that there is, um, there is a, I think that there's kind of like a a mix here. So I'll kind of start from the beginning. So first of all, in order to kind of use antitrust, um, in a in a breakup capacity, there's a couple of ways that that works. 
One is that it can happen at the like the pre-merger level, like to get approval for a merger and you can say, no, you're gonna have to break off this or this in order to get this merger. Like that's, we're gonna like make you have that kind of structural solution to your business model. And we'll get into that in a second. The, but generally when people say break them up, when they think of standard oil or they think of kind of like these types of um, monopoly structures, they, they're talking about a, a remedy in antitrust. And there are many remedies in antitrust and structural antitrust is the breakup method. And that is like only one possible remedy in antitrust. The problem with structural breakup is that there are a couple of, well, there's a lot of problems with it and I'll get to those in a second. So like, let's assume that we're aiming for breaking them up because we think it's gonna serve our functions in any type of way, but like, which I don't think it does. And so we'll get to that in a second. But first I'm just gonna say that from a really basic walking, and this is like, just from what I've been working on for the past six months, kind of delving into antitrust, I am not an antitrust expert. So I could be like wrong around the edges slightly about this but like i generally like the general idea is that when you start an antitrust action it can come from a bunch of different places but if it comes from kind of the sec and you're kind of driving this complaint and you think that there are uncompetitive practices and all of these other things one of the main things and one of the over time has become like maybe a little bit too solidified as this is like the sing, single thing to kind of prove monopoly or antitrust power is that you have a um is that like you can tell that there have been anti-competitive practices because consumer price, the consumer price index on a certain product has gone up. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the product is served by that one, is like provided for, by only that one firm. And so basically the first question of antitrust is like, what is the market? You define the market however it is that you want to define it. It's typically substitutable goods, but that is like, a very narrow market. And it's also very hard to kind of define. You have to define it by geography these days and all these other things. Once you define it, you have to show market share. How do you show market share? Then you have to like, again, kind of decide whether or not you've drawn the lines of the market in the right place, because then it's going to depend on like, well, most of YouTube, for example, is like user, user content, user to user content. But some of YouTube is like, like a fair and increasing amount of YouTube is like commercial content. And so like, okay, well, what is the market of YouTube then? Is the market share that you're interested in for YouTube, the commercial content or the user generated content, or is it not like you don't think that distinction is worth making? Mm -hmm. And you'd have to make this, all of these arguments to the judge. Then at some point you have to prove that it's anti, like that their control is anti-competitive or like, and that would involve consumer price index, but the problem or would at least in a Borkian kind of like Chicago school of antitrust. Um, the, uh, the general idea is that like, and that Lena Khan brings in is like, that is like a very outmoded concept. Pegging things to like consumer price index right. is too narrow. Doesn't touch on the necessary impact. And this, I agree with her on completely doesn't touch on the necessary versions of like consumer welfare that we have now, which are innovation and price quality and like other types, or, or sorry, not price quality, but quality of the product and service yes. and things like that. And so we have to come up with a more holistic indicator other than just price, especially when we're talking about these tech products that we pay for with our eyeballs and not with our pocketbooks. And so that being said, that take that Lena has, like that argument that she has, the neo-Brandeisian view, like the, the anti-Chicago school view of antitrust is not the law right now, nor is it like poised to not be the law right now. 
it is like very entrenched in like the like in the black letter law of antitrust. And was that Brandeisian view prior to the Chicago school taking over the current law? Or is it kind of just a thought process that hasn't really been utilized as like a mechanism? Yeah, she like, I mean, I would say that like a lot of it's it goes back and forth. Like a lot of people think that the neo Brandeisian view starts in like the progressive era. And like slowly it's drummed out by like the 70s and the rise of like the Chicago School of Law and Economics. Um, but like, I think that Lena and others make their argument in reaching for that is like, this is what it used to be. So let's call back to those roots. And like, they think that they, they argue that that makes their argument more sympathetic or useful. Um, I don't disagree with any of that. I just like, it's just kind of like, um, neither here nor there, because as I said, the law is just like not in a position to look at um, to define the markets that these, that these social media companies are in, if they can define the markets, it's almost like facilely bad. Like it's like, it's just not facilely. It's almost like, um, it's like a joke. Like I, like they literally, like right now the FCC complaint, like calls social media companies, like it doesn't include TikTok cause it's not in the U S that's not true. <laughs> like, it doesn't include, it includes MySpace, Orkut. It doesn't include LinkedIn because LinkedIn isn't about personal connections that or anything. That's bizarre. Yeah, it doesn't include LinkedIn because LinkedIn is personal connections. It doesn't include Twitter because Twitter is actually not social media according to like the FCC filing. It is actually, um, it is just a, it is a one-to-one -one broadcasting network and there are no communities and you don't go there to socialize or like have connections with your friends. It does not include... YouTube, because YouTube is a broadcast network, it doesn't, it lumps YouTube and Hulu and Netflix all together, even though wow. YouTube is predominantly like user to user. So this is what I mean by like, these are just like, so to not to like completely go off, but to a concerned citizen's point, like the, well, I don't really know is probably like 90, per, like 99% of people who kind of come to this. We have these vague, very like blue check mark Twitter takes that are yeah. like, wow, I'm going to like, I'm going to like steal that Paula of like people being like, it feels like a monopoly. So I feel like they have a lot of power and like, they're really big. And so we should break them up. But like, there is a very compelling take on like, they're just actually, they're huge, but that doesn't actually mean they're not facing competition right. from other outside firms. And it doesn't mean that they're not all of this being said, I think that there are if, okay, I don't think we can get to like antitrust. Like, I don't think we can prove an antitrust case where the law is currently, okay? Like, I just don't think it'll likely hold. I, I But like, if you did want to use antitrust, it shouldn't be structural breakup, which doesn't actually really get to any of the things that bother us about these companies. It should be like interoperability, which is like doing mm. things like they did with the AOL Time Warner merger, which I mentioned the show before, which is like you break up, break off and make open source one small feature of the platform that keeps people there. And you like accelerate, I think, like an amount of like natural evolution and selection around like the the social hot norms drink of the no, it's true. Uh, <laughs> but it is you accelerate yeah. it you like you're just like you're not going to control this this is the part that is like pushing society forward let's keep it going and that like for example instant messenger was that thing for aol it eventually like murdered aol like mur aol died a slow death because they broke off 
Yeah. Um, they broke off a, a Instant Messenger. And then Instant Messenger itself became a useless medium because now we just text message. And so like the, the whole technology, it's like nothing is like set in glass, like basically, like it all keeps evolving. The whole point is like to keep it evolving and not to have it stagnate in these types of, in these types of like pools of evolution. So anyways, um, that's that kind of- danger in labeling a market leader as a monopoly without it being a true monopoly. Like that's another thing. I mean, we're uncomfortable with the amount of power that this company has and the amount of information this company has. But one of the things in our conversation, I think it was with Tim yesterday when um, referenced, uh, oh my gosh, I just totally brain farted. I love uh, how much you're brain farting because like, I oh. feel like I'm constantly sitting on this show and being like, I can't think of words, like basic, basic words. Um, oh no, but- it, it, um, it's exhausting, the brain farting, <laughs> um, but it was to the point, uh, I'll, I'll think of it in a second, but I would like to hear your thoughts on just like labeling market leaders as monopolies and if there's yeah, a danger it's there. Not, it just, it's just not very, oh, oh, he actually, he, I remember he said like Donald Trump starts his own platform whenever he wants to, like, obviously they're not a monopoly. And like, he kind of said that point, like regulation parlor. is the, him and Ben were talking about how regulation is what the large, the market leader wants and how that could actually yes. create a monopoly in and of itself. That was right. Point. Yeah. Yes, that is like another that is 100%. And so like, that is also why I'm kind of like, wow, if anyone spent 10 seconds understanding these things, they would realize that Section 230 reform or repeal would actually be counterproductive to any of the things that like Zephyr Teachout, Tim Wu, like Lena Khan, like these like new progressives that are trying to stir up the structural antitrust would like actually be for because it would actually have the effect of solidifying the top dogs in the market already and blocking more competition. So it's very weird to me when I see people like promoting both of those ideas simultaneously, because mm-hmm. I just don't think that they have, um, I just don't think that they have like a, a nuanced sense of how it's going to play out. Sorry if that was too long an answer to no. the antitrust question. No, I'm also practicing area. explaining it. Hi, Daniel. Hello. So I am curious what you guys think about the accidental shooting on the Rust film set. And in particular, where is the legal exposure going to lie? I'm not like bouncing because I'm excited about the shooting. I'm bouncing because like I've been reading about this kind of obsessively. Um, Okay, Genevieve, you go first. I'll be right back. No, no, I can't because I haven't read. I haven't read obsessively. I just think it's a tragic accident. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, the um, yeah. So from everything that I can tell, it just sounds like negligence. It just sounds like it's going to be um, a lot about what the industry standards are as they're written down, whether they were followed to the letter, what the custom. Oh, do you remember this from Rich Begin? Uh, the custom of the industry is like, it really will be like, is the custom, like this will come up. Like is the custom of the industry moved away from what the written standards are such that we're going to respect the custom of like how people do these things or not. I mean, likely answer no, because the insurance and everything else and all of this stuff is going to levels of liability will probably be more convincing since it's formalized and written down, but there will be kind of counter argument to that, um, to that effect. I imagine evidence presented. Um, I think that basically, uh, I don't know how insurance runs on film sets. So this is like a really interesting thing. Like, I don't know whether armorers carry their own or like prop 
like prop people carry their own insurance. Um, and so like at the end of the day, what becomes really of interest here, and this is the dorkiest, like most in the weeds answer to your question, Daniel, and I'm sorry, is really interesting. It's going to come down to the classification of what those people are in employment law and whether or not they are like respond at superior or like what, you know, whether or not mm -hmm. like there was some type of dominant hand control from like the greater film agency and like there and whether there was negligence and lack or like or lack of care in like deciding how these people were hired or deciding how they ran their set or whether everything was followed to the letter and like it really came down to just this one person's screw up and i think that like that's going to be fascinating because it's going to all be about passing the buck for the to the i mean for the peop for the woman who's who died and the woman and the man who was shot, like it's going to be basically about like damages. Like you're can't do anything else. It's gonna be about damages. And like that individual armorer is like the least, is like the most cost provider. Like he is obviously like the but for cause between it, but like the least cost provider is his parent company, if that is actually like us, like if that is actually the case, and they're insured. And so there's basically will be i imagine kind of like a battle of whose insurance company pays for what and there might just end up being a settlement i would 90 put 95 percent on something like that the deepest pockets are yeah. the film company and the film the film companies insurer like yeah. i just want to also say it's the film yeah um uh wait i thought that there was an armor who was a guy that the the guy that said cold gun I have no idea. I, yeah. I, 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 okay. I mean, Anyways, whatever. I can't, like, I yeah. don't know what the people's titles are, but I know that there was a guy that was apparently in charge of like all of the stuff and said cold gun and put it down and like didn't check. But anyway. Um, the other thing that I think is so crazy is how this story is becoming politicized too. I mean, you see the reactions from individuals who are uh, of a certain political persuasion seem to be reveling in it. And it's, kind of awful I mean it, it, it is awful not kind of awful but it's just also shocking that like this is what we're choosing to politicize now like how how, how and, and like frankly like how does this serve your platform also yeah no it's not like no I mean if anything it just actually would undermine the position on like a lot of the second amendment stuff that it's I mean this is even a projectile that's theoretically not supposed to be deadly. So you could have greater, I mean, I don't know. Again, the brain, um, the sleep deprivation is real. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I think it's time to wrap up. Yes, we managed to muddle our way through another episode of In Lieu of Fun. Um, go and get some sleep, hang in there. I'm sending you, I'm gonna get your address and I'm gonna send you uh, some apple coring, apple peeling kit stuff um and yeah thank you and i also ap appeal to everyone literally appeal <laughs> uh, the dad jokes are really on a whole nother level now um for recipes please because i still have so many and be careful kate i may send you some <laughs> oh good hey, I, I love I, that I, I will um so today we it, we will be back we have two minutes uh, it will be 23 hours and 58 minutes or two minutes from now. No, 20, whatever. 23 hours and two minutes from now. Yes, we'll be back. And in 
and until then, Kate? <laughs> we have lots of apples and little sleep. Yes. Bye, Genevieve. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you.